Signs of Biden's failed economy are beginning to manifest as several major banks go belly up. But Joe Biden attempts to distract with more terrible policy. All that much, much more here at The Politically Tolerant. My name is Cooper Brown. My name is Zach Group. If you like what you hear, please be willing to uh, subscribe to our channel. We really appreciate it. Uh, Zach, why don't you get us started on the first piece of major news that has been consuming us this entire week. Right, right, right. And, you know, as our future CEO of Golden Sachs, Cooper Brown, was talking about, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we see, we see um, our biggest bank crisis since 2008 mm-hmm. was Silicon Valley Bank. And uh, there's this first article we want to point out by Polico we kind of digest a little bit. And it says, the article says, what does SPB's collapse mean for other banks? Here's what else might go wrong and what to expect next. So from that, Cooper, what do you think is the most prevailing issue in regard to this issue, uh, the economic crisis? Well, I mean, that's a, there's a lot to answer because I want to give a little rundown first before I answer that question, kind of what has been going on. Um, because anytime there's anything banking related or financial aid it's very complex so to our listeners i want to try and break this down as simple as possible to kind of explain the situation what's going on um so a a very quick rundown uh in 2020 2021 when everything was shut down um, the, the united states federal government decided to inject more money into the economy than has ever been seen in history a lot of that money ends up in uh funding big tech corporations and, and, and big tech advancements, they put their money into um, the Silicon Valley Bank because that's, you know, you would think that's the major bank that's associated with the tech industry. Um, they end up increasing the amount of money that they have in deposits. Uh, they don't know what to do. They have all this money. They don't know what to do with it. So they invest that money into government bonds, um, which is generally considered a very safe investment uh, historically. But uh, because there's been so much dump in the economy with money, the Federal Reserve is forced to then raise interest rates, um, thus devaluing the the amount of money that the, those bonds are worth. Um, after uh, the the tech bubble has kind of been bursting, we've we've seen recently a lot of layoffs in in the tech industries and in Amazon, and Facebook. Um, you know, once all that money's kind of run out, they go to pull their money. So you kind of get a small bank run um, against uh, um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank. They don't keep the money on hand and therefore they're forced to sell off and liquidate all their assets, which are in, in the forms of these bonds. Those bonds are not worth enough to cover the cost of the deposits and, and therefore they go bankrupt. Um, so this is a huge problem because this is very reminiscent in not terms of the exact policies that um or or i should say the exact actions that these banks are taking but it's the same kind of idea where the government is subsidizing uh very poor judgment on behalf of banks and the banking industry allowing them to uh, make really poor decisions with your money and uh ultimately going to be bailing them out in the process i mean does this have kind of any ramifications from the 2008 financial crisis the the result or anything really changed from that necessarily i mean i don't it doesn't feel like there has been there's been any change since 2000 2008 it's the same 
kind of crummy uh, corporate executives that the politicians are bailing out. Because that's the another interesting thing too is the the FDIC. Um, think of them basically as an insurance agency for banks, right? After the Great Depression, um, banks were allowed or depositors were allowed two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars of kind of protected money, right? If you have a, that amount of money or less so in a, de in a deposit, if the bank goes up, the FDIC will um, replenish that money. But what's going on in this instance, the federal government has come in and said, well, we're gonna now deposit all, uh, we're gonna um, bail out all the depositors that have exceeded that amount of money because you know those are all the big tech co corporations, those are all the big, um, uh, you know, multimillionaire individuals that are uh, going to be contributing to them financially to the Democratic Party. So, of course, you got to bail those guys out. That's where all your money comes from. So, um, generally, ninety-five percent of all um, Americans have balances in their deposits that are below two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So. Um, Really, they sh they're considered to be safe, but this idea of bailing out the depositors, um, they Biden has made it clear that he's not bailing out any of the investors of this company, so they'll be left. But uh, everyone else that has money above two hundred fifty thousand dollars, they're they're set to be getting all their money back too. You know, I thought it was interesting in this political article the difference between the Silicon Valley banks and that of you know the mega banks like J.P. Morgan Chase and. Uh, Morgan Stanley and Golden Sachs. You know, I thought it was interesting because there's over 5,000 banks uh, within the United States itself. Mm -hmm. So why is the fact that uh, Silicon Valley Bank collapsing is a bigger deal for the economy? And why is that different than, you know, JP Morgan and Bank of America, who probably won't lose that much in, in terms of assets? So, like, what's the difference between that in, in terms of? Well, I mean, I don't know if I agree with that because Chase and or J.P. Morgan and those banks, those are, you know, massive banks. I mean, I think Chase is the biggest bank in, like, probably ever. <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, uh, I mean, those bigs are, at this point, considered too big to fail, which is a whole kind of different, um, you know, it's the same kind of concept where, uh, they're willing to incentivize bad habits because it doesn't really matter because the federal government will bail them out anyways. Um, these are, I mean, Silicon Valley was a pretty large bank. It was considered the 16th largest in the world. Um, this is the second biggest bank to, I think, ever collapse besides the events in 2008. Um, so it's a pretty big deal. Um, but the thing that the other banks are able to do, and this is, was kind of what was um, was looking to happen, is that they were going to be uh, kind of coming in as the third party and, and, and buying out uh, Silicon Valley. And, and, and therefore, the federal government isn't needed to um, bail all these individuals out because then they'll take on the risk of, you know, having to pay up all the front, the probably tens of billions of dollars that they they would owe their depositors but then um chase and and several other uh, banks uh, would be buying those up but the federal government came in and said no we're not going to allow to do this uh and then joe biden said don't worry everybody i'm i'm gonna bail everybody out there's no need to worry 
And because of all this, uh, this like weird talk with between Biden and the government, we've seen the stock prices of uh, the banking industry over the last couple of days just be extremely volatile. Like as soon as um, news came out that a lot of these banks were failing, we're now at five banks failing at this point. Um, we've seen them, their stocks plummet dramatically. Now that Joe Biden has come out and said he's going to be bailing everybody out, it's skyrocketing back up. And it's just in the last week, it's been wildly erratic. Um, but this right. is not the idea of bailing out people's bad habits is not a good thing. I mean, this is a, a short term solution that um, is not actually really a solution, I would think, at all, because all it's doing is incentivizing people to now put their money into the most uh, high risk, high reward um, investment opportunities. And then it doesn't matter if they lose out on money because they're just expecting the federal government to bail you out anyways. So like, that's what I'm saying. Every administration, so I I wanted to critique this. I think we should be mentioned the second article. But I want to ask, is like the administration of Biden really that different from Obama's and in past in the, you know, during the eighties in the nineties during the Clinton administration doing that and going back all the way to the FDR. Do you think anything has really changed since then? I mean, I don't know. Probably not. I would not. It's the same kind of core. This is not a failing of um, free market economies, right? That's that's not the case. This is total corporatism. So it's right. it's it's something that has existed for um, for as long as corporations have existed. Them being in bed with uh, federal government, right? It- Intertwining. I mean, so I, I remember him talking about. Actually, I just pulled up the article. I'll, I'll just mention something about uh, J.P. Morgan. I mean, you don't see them losing assets. You see uh, J.P. Morgan actually uh, negotiate a deal with Zelensky in Ukraine, actually to reconstruct Ukraine after the war. So, even if they have a big loss from this, you don't see J.P. Morgan. And like you said, there's a multivariate stock between these big uh, banks who have, like you said, partnerships with the Federal Reserve Board and keep getting bailed out for these actions. But yeah, like you said, go back to the in the early 1930s fortune. Right, right. So as I said in this article, and this is explicitly talking about what Cooper talked about with depositors, but it says in the early 1930s, such bank runs were common, but the Roosevelt administration enacted laws and regulations requiring banks to have more money on hand, barring them from investing the depositors' money for profit. And this was created in the uh, Glass-Siegel Act ensuring deposits and tightly overseeing the banks. So is this innately what happened in the New Deal all the way back in the 30s? Is this what you see really what's going on with Biden's policies right now in terms of what he's doing uh, with bailing out um, depositors? Uh, I I do see a lot of similarities because all of this is just, it's kind of just kicking the can further and further again. It's the same thing we do with the national debt where we don't care about you know, decreasing any of this now, we're just going to kick the can later, but eventually the, the shoe drops, right? The bubble bursts. Um, and this is an example because nothing has changed because no incentive structure has changed in regards to the federal government. They've, um, you know, there's, there's the banking industry as corrupt as they are, they're only taking opportunities, the opportunities that they're given and they are kind of handed the uh, the ability to act in poor taste, right? And so when you give them the ability 
and the incentive to do so, you're going to see this more and more often. You know, as you see, my my financial expertise is not even close to the level <laughs> as Cooper Brown's over here. I'm definitely a normal person, but I just want to uh, point out: wasn't the Federal Reserve Board created in the 1930s? It was made. I think it was created right before. Was it created right before the Depression? Uh, I want to say that was. 1913 i believe one of the worst years in american pol political history um yeah i mean if you see in modern history this has created mm -hmm. i mean we've had i think the banking crisis as 1848 but we don't see anything and, and it was created right before as you said right before the depression that era took place and you see the worst crisis in history led to probably one of the worst disasters of world war ii mm -hmm. one of the, the instrumental reasons that led to that Mm -hmm. We see that mm -hmm. the cause of the Federal Reserve Board, and we're giving all the policy decisions to either choose to to have this overarching uh, power to decide whether corporations could go over and under. I mean, that gives them a huge amount of authority, mm -hmm. and that I mean, I don't know about you, Cooper, that kind of definitely seems like an overreach within the federal government, especially. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, we should we should know far too well the dangers of, of allowing uh, an entity like the Federal Reserve to have so much control and authority over our economic system. Um, th this is how bad the situations get. They have, the Federal Reserve is kind of now caught in a, a crosswind where they can have a terrible uh, outcome or an even worse outcome, <laughs> I'd like to think of it. So because the bonds that uh, banks are now relying on to hold their the their assets basically now that those those are no longer worth the same as they were several years ago because of the uh, the rise of um, interest rates that the federal reserve has been doing because they've been trying to manage inflation all these banks now have um, all their bonds are basically worthless now it's not that their bonds are they are significantly less than what they were just a few years ago but since I can now get a bond today that over time will provide me a better return than just a couple of years ago, if you sold the ones that you have now, they're basically worthless because who's going to buy a bond when you know that if I buy a bond, a different one that was made, I guess you'd say exactly, um, or um, today, the return is going to be way better. So it's not only that those bonds are less than what they're supposed to be, they're basically worthless. Um, and, and that's the big trouble that we see with a lot of um, mid-level banks because we have uh, Silvergate, I believe, was the first that went belly up. That fear kind of brought on a lot of the um, the, the tech industry's fear kind of causing the run-on uh, to occur with SVD. Um, we have First Cret, uh, Republic Bank, I believe. Um, they have kind of another situation going on. Uh, Signature Bank is another one that has collapsed, and, and this has all gone on to a credit uh, um, sus or something like that. It's a, or, or a, a an international bank. bank. It's yeah, Credit Suisse. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, credit Suisse, right? And so this is, has major ramifications because inflation is becoming a huge problem anywhere. So bonds of all different countries are all taking um, hits and are, are operating in, in drastic ways. So I thought it was okay. I thought this was interesting. I mean, this is like another perspective on it. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about the Federal Reserve Board, you know, increasing interest rates to the point that all the 
the banks will be foreclosed, right? All the big banks. Is, is, is that necessarily what happened? It will lead to inevitably another depression. So I, I know the argument is that, okay, this was in 2008. The reason why uh, Barack Obama uh, instituted, you know, the bailouts, which I don't agree with either, but the bailouts of, you know, Goldman Sachs and all these big banks was due to the fact that we, we don't want anything worse to take place. If we ha- mm-hmm. let this happen, we know the interest rates, like we were talking about, will expand, but it won't lead to a utter collapse. And, you know, another Great Depression where people lose their lives. I mean, what is your point? You think if, let's say, there is an, it reaches to that point where the Federal Reserve Board will just increase interest state, uh, interest rates. Do you think that will actually lead to a Great Depression or lead to bad uh, results? Well, yeah. So there's two, there, the Federal Reserve has two options. They can either increase um, interest rates, which then makes the bonds that basically every bank puts their some of their assets in um, because it's generally considered a very safe investment. Um, but because interest rates are going so high, it's not a great opportunity to have money in right now, but you know it's too late for them now. Um, so either you have the opportunity for banks to be foreclosed on if you know, more of this kind of run on mentality continues to happen, which is kind of why you're seeing the media and the Biden administration trying to really downplay this um, kind of the severity of the situation because they don't want people to panic because more people that panic and fear that their money is no longer safe in a bank. They're going to rush to go collect their money out of the bank, causing these runoff situations, causing banks to not have the money to give to everybody, forcing them to sell off their assets. Their assets are not worth the value that they should be, and then therefore they have to go bankrupt. So that's one option that the Federal Reserve can do if they continue to increase interest rates. But at least, you know, theoretically, inflation will be um, kind of kept to a minimum. Or they don't do that. They don't uh, keep drastically increasing interest rates. Banks are then saved, but then now we spiral into um, hyperinflation. So that's why I'm saying like they're caught within a cross ones where either you get a, a failing of the banks or massive inflation. Right. I mean, sir, no, like I'm trying to think, is there a positive between either of them really? But no, <laughs> right. But which one is, I'm trying to make, which one was more likely to help ordinary people? Cause I think that's what we're describing. We could give less of a shit about what happens to J.P. Morgan or you know mm-hmm. the Silicon Valley Bank. I think what we, we, you know we're trying to explain like what benefits more everyday people. Do you think in the long run this coll- this other collapse of the bank mm-hmm. would just result in you know less interest rates and benefit ordinary people more, even though it might take a huge hit to the economy? I mean, at least most people are relatively safe for their money, right? The money that right. they have deposited in bank accounts that's relatively safe. Uh, because most people don't have over two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars in one bank account, you know, at a time. Um, but what you want to do is you can't allow an incentive structure like this to continue. So the option is you basically have to let these banks fail, and then um, what will happen is they won't just collapse and nothing like they're just gone forever, right? So there's not two options. There's not banks collapse or federal government bails them out. There's different alternatives. And this was what kind of was going on, um, which was going to go on with uh, Silicon Valley. I believe Elon Musk was talking about um, getting a group of investors and buying uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Um, But uh, if I can pull up this article right here, um, 
from the Daily Wire, uh, big banks rescue collapsing First Republic Bank uh, with $10 billion or $30 billion deal. And so this is the example of what can happen if federal government doesn't get involved, right? Other entities come in, they kind of pull their money together and they, they buy up the assets, they fill in the gaps of whichever money they have to fill the depositors or investors or whatever. And then they also take the, uh, the accountability of the risk and then um, the, the potential money that they can make by now having the depositors money and then you know, moving it around and investing in, in the ways that they see fit. So it's letting the invisible hand free market essentially do its work, right? In terms of, well, if one thing collapses, at least you'll have a bunch of investors mm -hmm. trying to reduce the, the mitigation and the loss mm -hmm. of what can happen to this bank, right? But I mean, is the problem that it gets absorbed by too many big conglomerates or is that maybe it's better that multiple banks invest in this so it doesn't become too? I mean, that is a fear I guess you could have is that, you know, if this happens so often enough that it all just becomes one super bank, which is, right. I mean, I guess theoretically a possibility. Um, right. But I still think those, there's always a place for smaller banks to exist. They generally keep their investments in, in much um, smaller entities, um, a lot, mostly like uh, um, private real estate a lot of the time. Um, but gigantic mega banks, basically, they have much safer diversity kind of spread over everyone. M middle banks are kind of, I think, in the most volatile state because they they try and act like a small bank. But with the, the amount of money as a big bank, but without kind of the safety of a big bank as well. Um, right. But it's, it's causing... The, the problem is that the, the ripple that it's causing on, on um, the American people because the, the federal government and the Biden administration are kind of caught because, well, now what do they have to do? They want to bail out the individuals that are, that are paying for their campaigns, right? That are their donors, right? Um, that's why you see Joe Biden uh, give a speech at nine in the morning and people making a big deal about this because – He's he was talking directly to the individuals that are his major donors, right? Those are the people that he's caring about. Um, are the people that are uh, the super wealthy individuals, the super wealthy tech companies that have their money stationed in Silicon Valley Bank, and then you know, as a favor, I guess you'd say to him, uh, he's going to bail them out. I believe uh, Chris Cuomo, not Chris Cuomo, who, the uh, um, the uh, governor of California. Uh, he had his own money in uh, uh, clearly more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars in uh, in Silicon Valley, and he was praising Joe Biden for his um, his efforts in supposedly quashing this debacle. And that's kind of the thing that the media has been been spouting a lot lately: is that oh, this this is done, it's over. Uh, highly, highly doubt that it's over. This kind of feels like the start of um, you know the a reoccurring of the two thousand eight financial crisis it's the same kind of feeling I, i'm i'm feeling at least i think that leads to the next article but i just want to mention before it's like oh yeah we'll just keep giving you money as long as you keep listening to us and to monitor conservative voices on social media but yeah right <laughs> right 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 but i guess this leads to our uh, next article which i know a little bit more about so how could well this is, this is a term called wag the dog there's actually a movie with robert de niro about it 
but that's not important in this terms. This is a political expression, and uh, called wag a dog, and it's in fact that you have a, a smaller issue, and it c- kind of controls a bigger issue. So in essence, like let's say there's a scandal or something uh, with a president, he will in effect use a bigger issue like going military intervention to mitigate from that. So like you see, this actually took place before with George Bush Senior when he was losing 10% of the polls, even though he lost the election anyway. It doesn't matter that much right now, but <laughs> he, he invaded Iraq. So that was the first Iraq war. So in a way that led to that. So what I'm worried about, and we see in recent news, is that perhaps uh, President Biden is using stuff like what's pushing a narrative about Ukraine right now, as we see with a Russian fighter colliding with a, a US drone in international waters, in the Baltic Sea, or perhaps we're, maybe it's not as big of a narrative. Maybe he's trying to push that on purpose to intentionally distract away from what's actually going on with Silicon Valley. As Cooper said, this could have huge ramifications towards a next crisis. Perhaps he's trying to mitigate from that. Um, so we could see that. And also, as we see with Joe Biden's executive order with his new gun law legislation, which is actually the biggest, I think, uh, gun legislation to deter from ordinary people getting guns, I think, ever uh, in terms of executive order. But as we see, we can see the two-thirds Congress bypassing that, or we can see states changing the legislation. So in the long run, that wouldn't be a big deal because states can change laws and we can figure out on that. Mm-hmm. But you could see that. Why is he... The, the thing we should ask is, like, why is he choosing this week to talk about these big things? Well, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe more towards his executive order. Why is he choosing this week to implement this executive order? It could be just what's going on with the uh, the SVB bank crisis. And that could actually, he knows that, well, this executive order, order is not going to actually bypass it that long in the long term. But it could distract the American population from the banking crisis, at least for the present, mm-hmm. in terms of it, it can build some other narrative to construct in the future. But as we see in the present, this can at least distract uh, what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I believe if I remember correctly, the bill, the the gun restriction bill allows for the lawsuits of uh, firearm companies um, for people that have been killed with firearms. So it's under the idea that um, that you can sue a company for a faulty product, right? Um, except that's kind of the opposite of what a firearm is. That's kind of it doing its job is shooting, right? That's kind of what it's built for. Um, right. But the idea is that uh, firearm companies can be held liable to um, their guns being used in, in crimes, which would completely destroy the firearms industry. It would not survive the night, um, which I don't think um, – which I, I agree with you. While that is like a horrific plan, it's gun control, gun regulation is one of the most unpopular um, – topics for the left right they don't like uh you don't americans do not like the gun control debate america loves their guns uh republican democrat you know socialist communists love their guns right um you're pissing off 50 percent of the population really you're, you're pissing more, more than 50 percent of the population yeah um, a lot of people americans are love their guns for good reason they're awesome um but it's the single biggest losing issue for um, Democrats. So 
the idea that like something like this is going to be signed into an executive order and it's just going to be kind of let run wild, I think is is foolish. I think it was probably done as a political move to um, try and add whatever fire can be put on to kind of ignore what is going on economically because these signs of Biden's economy have been circulating for months now. Like it's not, this is not new information where we see, we're seeing record high inflation uh, month over month. We're seeing wages decrease. We're seeing, you know, Biden saying that he's lowered the deficit, even though like theoretically, yes, but no, because if you spend $3 trillion one year and then you spend $2.9 trillion the next year, well, yes, technically you lowered the deficit, but not really. Like you're still paying way more in um, that has ever existed in the history of the United States. And then him also going up saying that um, pushing bills at the same point at the same time um, that uh, are like spending another three to four to six trillion dollars in the middle of this financial crisis. I, it's just I, he's delusional to think that his administration or, or anybody um, knows what they're doing. I, I right. don't think they do. I think they're just, they're flying by the seat of the pants. This is the economics of Elizabeth Warren, right? When she's saying that you could spend endless amounts of money, but, and, and the check will never come. But anyone who's ever lived in the real world knows that that's not how it works. So. I mean, like you see, is this like the nail in the coffin? I mean, the Silicon Valley Bank, this is just the nail and confidence of his administration. I mean, we see disastrous policies already mm-hmm. with uh, dismantling the ability for uh, people in oil fracking in the country to actually build up the economy, which was probably a cause for that. And we see with his disastrous equity bill. I mean, a lot of stuff that he's put into practice has been very unpopular. And we just see, okay, well, now with the Silicon Valley Bank thing collapsing, I mean, we just see there's really no way getting out of this administration and probably will not i mean especially if there's a crisis especially if there is a a economic uh, collapse like as mm-hmm. seen in 2008 that will that triple down and just say well biden's out now i mean there's no going back is that what's I, gonna happen i mean you would say that you would say yes um historically that would be the end of anything afghanistan would have just killed his career politically i mean something like that like but most Americans, I think, have already forgotten about situations like that. I mean, it's going to come up again um, in a year and a half when we have the presidential elections. People are going to start seeing those ads about Afghanistan. They're going to be reminded of how terrible it was. But I don't see how we make it another year, probably, maybe a year and a half, without some serious financial um, instability in the country. Right. Um, we are lucky enough to have the petrodollar and our, our, our currency to be uh, – the safest in the world, like even though we have all these problems, it's still the safest bet in the world. So countries are willing to um, invest in, in America existing for uh, a long time. And that's the only reason why we haven't already spiraled into like serious Great Depression, super massive inflation. Um, but we are teetering on an edge and it's it's getting close to falling. And with Biden going forward and, and saying he wants to spend another you know, three, you know, three or four trillion dollars. It's just like, dude, you got to stop. You got to stop. <laughs> You're going to kill us all. We got to put that guy in a retirement home before it's too late. He's but done. 
Yeah. At least one one of my favorite sayings from Ronald Reagan is that um, uh, that uh, the government's worse than spending than a drunken sailor because at least the sailor's spending his own money, but the federal government is spending your money. So. Yeah. He's like that friend who says, "Oh, I'll, I'll pay you back," but he never does. No. It's, no. It's no. He's the friend that pulls a gun on you and says, "Give me your money." And then you take it, and then he, like, throws in the toilet, and he says, oh, well, I, whatever. <laughs> I, I think he's not a friend, but a mobster. But he, yep. <laughs> I mean, that's what taxes, that's what the federal government is, so. Really? Yeah. But, I mean, anything else? Like, you think there's, like, an end note to explain, okay, what's going to take place afterwards within this? Um, the only hmm. thing I can see is I can see – it, it really depends on how the Federal Reserve decides to operate. I think they're going to play middle of the road, like what they've been doing lately. And I think it's just only they're not going to play each side. They're not going to raise the interest rates high enough to curb inflation. And they're not going to they're going to raise them just enough that um, we're still continuing on this ridiculous inflationary period where um, it's going to be exactly like how the Biden administration's been handling everything is they've been playing middle of the road and allowing getting the worst of both worlds, basically. So um, I think he can only push it off so much and in hopes that he can then blame it on um, whichever other individual can come into power uh, after his administration. And then they have to deal with the fall of all of his economic policy. But I think that's a uh, good place to end in misery. So it was, great. it was great talking to you, Cooper. And if if you like us, hit that subscribe button or you know the like button. And it was great talking. We'll we'll talk next week, Cooper. Hopefully, there's a little bit better news. I'm sure more will develop um, in the recent days. But it's always a pleasure talking to you, Zach. And have a great rest of your day. You too.